When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome back. This is the Barcelona podcast brought to you by Frances Tomas. Of course, myself, Dan Hilton. We're delighted you're here listening for an opinionated hot take on the best breaking stories from the Camp No. If you're new here, please head over to our website, thebarcelonapodcast.com, where you can subscribe, comment, or support the show by taking advantage of the many deals we offer there. Let's get right into it. Let's get started. Frances, what are we talking about today? Today, we've got Danny Ceballos, Jordi Alba, and Jeremy Mathieu. Ready to be discussed. Um, episode 12 of the Barcelona Podcast.com starts right here. And we start right with Danny Ceballos, who, for anyone who watched the European U21 Championships, would have gotten an introduction to him, unless, of course, you're a Real Batiste fan. And Ceballos is a player that hasn't really been on the radar of Barcelona or Real Madrid or any of those major clubs for very long. But, of course, it really only takes, as we learned with James Rodriguez, at the World Cup a few years ago before Real Madrid signed him from AS Monaco, it doesn't take very long for one tournament to get a player's name on the map, and Danny Ceballos is no different. And, Frances, the big thing coming into this story is that apparently Barcelona is going to try to aggressively sign this young 20-year-old Spanish midfielder. They want him to be the next Andres Iniesta, but of course, any young midfielder they sign, they would love to be the next Andres Iniesta, but for me, it sounds like if you follow a Barcelona-related media source, then you're going to hear that Barcelona have the upper hand in signing the player, 
And if you follow Real Madrid newspapers and publications, you're going to find that Real Madrid have the upper hand. So a lot to unpack here, Frances, but an interesting player nonetheless. Definitely a fantastic player, a player that has plenty of potential. And as, as you said, as 20 years old, playmakers in Spanish football, he's the best that there is. Um, in the recent European Championships, under 21, which Spain lost the final and uh, ended up runners up. Ceballos was nevertheless chosen as the MVP of the tournament. He proved to be a really confident young player, someone who could bring the ball from the defence up, someone who could definitely connect with the strikers. And uh, he showed quite a lot of maturity despite his age and uh, his freshness and ability to combine with those around him um, was obvious and was one of the reasons why Spain definitely uh, was fully deserving of getting to the finals. You could argue they should have won that final as well, but you know that's a discussion for a different point. As you mentioned, the Spanish media would be pushing for Madrid to have the advantage for the signing, and the Catalan media would do the opposite, um, favoring Barca, of course. Now, personally, I don't really, I do read both sides of, of the Spanish media because you need to be informed to make your own opinion. Um, I think that at the end of the day, it's going to come down to what Dani wants to do. Uh, Dani Ceballos has plenty of choices to make in his career, whether he wants to stay at Betis and continue to basically be the player, sort of in American terms, the franchise player for Betis to, to move into the future. Um, I don't think that that would be a wise choice for him. He is now ready to make the jump and join one of the big clubs with Barca and Madrid, obviously, being prime candidates. I would think that going to a team like, um, say, Sevilla, obviously being a Betis player, he cannot really do that. But going to Valencia or going to Atletico Madrid would also be a, a decent move for him. But if Barca and Madrid are interested, which they obviously are, then he's got a, a, a difficult decision to make. Obviously, me being him, I would go to Barca, but then I'm heavily biased. I'm sure our listeners have realised um, over the course of the, the previous episodes that, that we've had of this show. But um, I think it's a really difficult decision for him to make. And at the end of the day, it will come down to what he wants to do and uh, whether the teams that he wants to join actually wants to sign him right away. Yeah, I can agree with all of those things that first Ceballos, 20 years old, a midfielder, this is a, a really important time of his career where the next decision he makes to transfer and move clubs could affect his future for the next 10 years at this kind of age. And it sounds like to me, Frances, that after last week when I we were talking about Gerard Delefeu and I was mentioning how watching the U21 team, particularly in that final, where Delefeu was re-signed as we were making conjecture to last week, uh, he was re-signed for 12 million euros, brought back into the club, though that might just be a ploy to resell him then afterwards for a greater number after the successful season he had last year at AC Milan. But then when that final started, with Denis Suarez on the bench, now Barcelona in that time is pushing harder for Hector Bellerin as they have been linked with all summer. They've re-signed Gerard Delefeu, and now they're looking to sign Danny Ceballos. So in a matter of one week, Barcelona are trying to go from zero starters of, we'll call that the future of Spain in that starting 11 for the U21. Even though they didn't win, of course, they as we had mentioned, probably with the best team from start to finish of that tournament with the exception of the one goal they allowed in the final against the Germany 
U21 squad. But what I would also say about Ceballos is that, again, the sample size, he was pretty good last year in the Liga. He had two goals, two assists, and was already showing, being a young player, that he was good at retaining the ball, he was good at dribbling, he was good at providing pressure defensively, which is really important to what Barcelona tried to do defensively. 81%, which was almost the highest on his team as far as passing accuracy completion. And like Iniesta, which is why you're seeing some similarities in the players. He can't really be trusted in the air, and he can't really be trusted finishing on goal. But as we're making mention, Barcelona have that front three in Neymar, Luis Suarez, and Messi. And do we really need players to be finishing, or is it just a matter of you need to find that player to provide that final ball? And we're going to talk about Mark Verratti this show and, and in future shows as well enough. But Verratti, of course, is the player that Barcelona would like. But Ceballos could be the player groomed into, particularly also being Spanish, groomed into the player to be a like-for-like replacement for Andres Iniesta. And the one thing that sticks out to me, Frances, about this kind of transfer, if Barcelona were able to nab Danny Ceballos' signature, is his release clause. It's only 15 million euro release clause, which at this point makes him, particularly in the market we're seeing this summer makes him extremely affordable. I mean, that means that you could probably get that kind of player for, you'd say, around $25 million, and it's a player that could potentially be worth, you know, in the 60s or 70s. And being a bargain like that, I had been critical of the lengthy transfer sagas that Barcelona had put themselves in, particularly, of course, with Marco Verratti and in other years as well. But while Verratti would walk straight into the Barcelona starting 11, again, what we're thinking about is that Ceballos would have to be a few years off. And you look at what Real Madrid does, particularly even with Marco Asensio when they loaned him right back to Mallorca. I don't see an issue with Ceballos being bought for that $25 million and then being loaned, as you had mentioned, maybe not necessarily back to Real Batiste, but to a club that is that next step up. And then in a year or two, when Iniesta is instead from 33 now, he's then 35 then. And when it's finally time for Iniesta to be moving on, it's almost a like-for-like replacement. And Ceballos, you'd say, would be ready. But the other point would be, would Ceballos, you look at the way he's tweeting and you look at his social media, that might not be something that he his ego is going to want to accept is to be signed by a major club and then seen to be surplus already and sent out on loan to develop a little bit. And my other question being is, Barcelona wants Marco Verratti, Barcelona wants Hector Bellerin, yet they've only sold Christian Teo so far for $4 million, ironically, to Real Batiste. And maybe that deal with Teo to Batiste was to help get an upper hand in the Ceballos negotiation, Frances. That probably is. Um, the sporting director at Betis right now is Jurens Serra Ferrer, who um, the older <laughs> members of our audience may remember was uh, a sporting director in the early 2000s for Barca after he spent the vast majority of his career coaching and managing and directing at uh, Real Mallorca um, in, in the islands. Now, Serra Ferrer is currently working at Betis and because he's got that relationship with the Barca board and, and the vast majority of coaches and managers who currently work at La Masia and the Barca youth system, then he's got that connection he has a really good relationship and that could be what actually tips the balance in, in Barca's favour. As you mentioned, and you made a really good point at the end there, 15 million euros for a player who is an under-21 MVP for the whole of Europe is uh, is a fantastic price at this moment in time, especially when you think players like Pogba, 
are worth like 100 million and you've got James Rodriguez who is rumored to be leaving for around 70 to 80 or Morata for another 80 to 90 million. So 15 million at this moment in time is, is not a lot at all. It's definitely affordable. I think the question is going to be whether um, Ceballos actually wants to come to Barca. Um, I, you know, a, a lot of us make mistakes when we're teenagers and um, I was terrible as a teenager. I think I might be better now, but I'm still, I'm still horrendous when in, I need to be. But I stay, sort of, I stay away from Twitter and social media mistakes. Now, our listeners may be wondering, why, what is he talking about here? Well, at 16 years old, Danny Ceballos started using Twitter and uh, he decided to tweet things that I personally find hugely offensive. Um, they're all tweets, and you know, as I said, everyone does make mistake. But things like "Be quiet, Piqué. I don't give do, don't give your opinion about Andalusia. You um, s h something Catalan. That's not very nice to tweet. Then when Barca was playing um, a cup final, as you know, our fans are not very keen on the Spanish anthem being played whenever there's a final and the vast majority of the fans who attended the team, uh, the, the final, sorry, did whistle the anthem. And um, he tweeted, I find the whistling of the national anthem a disgrace. Now, you can agree or disagree with that, but that's a respectable opinion. However, 16-year-old Danny Ceballos decided to follow it with, a bomb needs to fall on the stands and kill all the Catalan and Biscayan dogs. Biscayan being um, the Bilbao fans and calling all of the fan base dogs. Then he goes on to tweet a couple of months later. He goes, this Barcelona is not normal. With the way Messi receives the ball in the middle of the pitch, he does a PlayStation move to Jordi Alba and then it's a goal from Xavi. And then he goes on to tweet in like, Barca is fantastic. So basically, he was out of control with his phone in his hands. He didn't know what he was doing. But um, I think, you know, considering the political moment that Catalonia is going through right now, and, um, you know, we've got a referendum coming up in three or four months, in, uh, in mid-November 2017, and tweeting something to say that, you know, you horrible Catalans, I wish you all die and get killed with a bomb. That's not someone of the caliber that Barca actually needs from a, say, personal perspective. And... You know, I, I personally think people can make mistakes and can move on. He seems much more centered now. Um, I've been reading a lot about sort of his background and he seems to be a very sort of proud family man who really respects his mom, for example, and uh, he's got his values in the right place. However, just four, months, four years ago, he said something that is totally unacceptable and he should have gotten some sort of caution from the Twitter um, gods if there's anything like that. And I think a large section of our Catalan fan base are going to be annoyed with him from the start. And I'm personally, you know, if his release clause was not just 15 million euros, I would say, no, definitely don't come. But at 15 million, we could take a punt. And if he doesn't, we'll sell him on. But uh, it's definitely not the right way to start, is it? No, and you look back last year to what happened with Sergi Guardiola, who was potentially going to be signed for the B team. And he was not forgiven and he was sent packing, you know, just as he didn't have much time at all to be forgiven for it. And yeah, he was a little older when he had made his social media proclamations. But 
as you had mentioned, Barcelona and a lot of the fans, they say that we only want players that are going to play for the crest and that love the club and that love Barcelona. And that's why the motto is more than a club. It's about more than just a handful of money to play just a game. And so a young man like this, again, you'd said a lot of the time he was only 16 at the time and a a teenager in his middling years, not even close to being a full adult, that they do make mistakes. And so I think it's going to be basically on the conscience of each Kule to decide whether or not they want to forgive him for what he did when he was younger and tweeted when he was younger and then embrace him if he's fully willing as an adult now. He'll be 21 in a few months, so to fully embrace being a Barcelona player if he were to be signed. And I think it's all going to come down to performances, Frances. If he performs well, then I think Barcelona fans will have a short memory on his social media accounts. But if he struggles, then it's a lot easier to turn on the player if he's not doing well. And then the last point I would say, Frances, about Ceballos is this goes back to you looking at the two clubs who are interested in the player signature being Barcelona against Real Madrid. And with Barcelona directly competing with Real Madrid for this player, it's probably in Barca's best interest, as you had mentioned, to sign one of Spain's promising young players in the ways that Real Madrid have gotten so many, whether it's Vallejo or Llorente, as we saw in the defensive midfield position, of course, Asensio as well. And it looks like Real Madrid have also finalized, excuse me, the signature of Tiago Hernandez from, well, a loan from Atletico Madrid to Alaves last year. And he's one of the most promising left backs in the whole world. And now, and he's only 19 and Real Madrid have secured his signature. So Barcelona have lost another top player and he's French right now, but he's thinking about switching his allegiance to Spain. So you know, that tells me that Barcelona have potentially lost another one of the most promising generation, or the next promising generation of Spanish players. And so Barcelona just seems to be late to the party on that. So from a pride perspective, you'd have to say that Barcelona probably don't want to lose out on another signature for a future star, not just someone in their mid-20s, but someone who's going to become a future star because you have to look towards the future. As we always mention, Iniesta his time is not going to be lasting forever. And Messi, while he has signed this this big fancy new extension, you know, he still is also already 30. So you don't know how much longer Messi has as well. And you do have to begin to set yourself up for the future now. Um, but speaking of Teo Hernandez and left backs, Barcelona already have a left back, Frances. And while he is only 27, he could still be their left back for quite a few years. And that is Jordi Alba, who apparently... Jordi Alba could be on the move this summer, but I don't think there's much to this. Well, hopefully not. Jordi Alba has been one of our best performers for a number of seasons now. He was part of the La Masia youth system growing up. He actually started as a winger and scored plenty of goals in La Masia. But um, because of his height, mostly, and the fact that he wasn't progressing in terms of physicality, as some of his teammates were doing at the time, he was released and uh, he went, we went to Cornellà for a couple of seasons. Then, given his quality, he was signed by Valencia and then he started growing as a player, training with the first team and he was one of the best performers. I think it was the 2012-2013 season or the one before that. And he was fantastic at the time. He became a Spanish international and obviously Barca wanted him back 
And as usual, um, the board decided to pay quite a bit of money for a player that was initially ours. But I think at this moment in time, we tend to be used to that. And yeah, so he performed really well for the first two, three years at Barca. He helped. He was, I think he was outstanding, particularly in the 2015-2016 season. Um, he was instrumental for, for a Champions League final victory and, and all the way to the final as well. And yeah, his relationship and understanding on the pitch with Iniesta is one of the reasons why Barca have been so dominant in the last, say, three, four years. And he's a player who really has added a lot. However, this final season, he tend to sort of fall out of grace with Luis Enrique. Um, I'm not sure whether there was anything personal to do with it or the fact that Lucas Digne actually performed better than most expected. But Jordi Alba's minutes were reduced quite drastically as well to the point that he didn't even start in some major games, not, not necessarily in La Liga, but in the Champions League. And that certainly did annoy Alba quite a bit. Also, Luis Enrique was experimenting with formations, as we know. Mostly, he's been playing four at the back. But there were occasions, particularly at the Camp Nou, when he started the games with three defenders. And that caused Jordi Alba to not enjoy as many minutes as he has done in the past. So, understandably, he was annoyed. Understandably, his entourage, his agent and, and the people around him decided to talk to the club and say, listen, we really want to uh, be in the next World Cup. That's when we play next year. We really think uh, Jordi is more than capable of starting games and be, be one of the regulars. So what's going on? To which Barca didn't necessarily have an answer under Luis Enrique, but hopefully, given that Valverde is coming to the club this season and he's sort of a breath of fresh, fresh air, then hopefully the situation is going to change because I do believe Alba is a fantastic world-class left-back and we're lucky to have him at Barca. Yeah, in today's modern game, Luis Enrique, the reason he was switching formation to three at the back was the way that these top clubs are playing where you play with the two wingbacks. And with his speed, there's no reason that Jordi Alba still can't be the wingback on the left side when Barcelona do play three at the back. And I think it was the first time that Barcelona was kind of changing up those forma- those formations, particularly in those major games, to play more defensively and try to play counterattacking. And if Alba didn't fit there, and Luis Enrique had also made mistakes as well, where a player we're going to talk about next and Jerry Matu got a start or two in big situations when he might not necessarily have been the best choice formation-wise with Alba sitting there on the bench. But to me, Frances, no matter what formation a club uses, they still need a top, top quality left back. And for me, the top seven in the world, almost unequivocally, Jordi Alba, Marcelo, David Alaba, Felipe Luis, of course, of Atletico Madrid, Alexandro, and then Danny Rose from Tottenham, Baines from Everton. To me, those top seven left backs are above the rest. And you could even make an argument that Alaba, Marcelo, and Alba are even above the other four as being the best, the unrivaled top three in the world. So there's no reason that Barcelona should allow Jordi Alba to think that he is not wanted at the club and as you had mentioned he's still the number one for Spain as well and while Lucas Dinier would be the guy of course he's only 23 or 24 he signed as the next 
guy to take his place. It's nice that Barcelona has already signed the successor, but he just isn't ready yet to be the starting left back, that being Digne. And that transition from Albert to Digne, I don't think this next season is necessarily the right year for that. So for me, it could be a story, but I'm hoping that Jordi Alba makes sure this is nothing of a story. And as we had mentioned, Valverde is now in charge and Enrique is not. So Jordi Alba has a whole nother new manager to prove his worth to. And you would expect that one of the top left backs in the world would find that he has a place in the team. Without a doubt, I think Valverde is a really clever man who always prioritizes uh, players that come through the youth system. And uh, Jordi Alba is one that really understands what Barca is about in terms of formation, in terms of mechanisms, because of his experience and, and his know-how and understanding with those around him. But also he knows what the club means. He knows what, you know, what, the, what the fan base want to see. And we want to see a player who is fully dedicated to the colours, a player who you know, would do, goes above and beyond what he needs to in order to make the team succeed. He's a really good influence on all of his teammates. He's ambitious. He's a winner. He always has been from the Barca youth system all the way to his days, even in Valencia. And that proved that that was one of the reasons why he joined Barca, because he was a winner and was sort of struggling to come to terms with the fact that he wasn't winning the league in Valencia. So players of that caliber, players of that attitude are what Barca really do need. Um, it is, it's, this is not rumour, this is sort of re- been reported, that um, Manchester United and PSG are currently prepared to pay in excess of 25 million euros to lure Jordi Alba away from Barca. But to be honest, 25 million, given the prices that this transfer window is sort of throwing about, it's just ridiculous. And to be honest, I I don't even want to consider any sort of um, offer for Alba at this moment in time, because he really is a player who has been very useful for Barca still is and I'm sure will continue to be and sort of going back to the initial point that that we made at the beginning if Digne is to grow and become a potential starter he needs to have a rival for his position he needs to learn from Jordi Alba and try to overtake him like that if you take Jordi Alba out of the equation then Digne's progression is going to stop and the other point I wanted to make as well Barca are missing the best Dani Alves dearly on a weekly basis. You see Barca play and you think, oh man, if Dani Alves was there, he would have been zooming down, getting the cross, and we would be winning by now. And the most similar player in the Barca squad to Dani Alves is Jordi Alba. So for all of those reasons, Jordi Alba is one player that Barca cannot, for any offer, for any amount, get rid of. He needs to be part of the future. Well, we go from a player that we don't want to get rid of to a player that has basically already been shuffled out the door in Jerry Matu. And the story right now is that Jerry Matu is in Portugal with Sporting Lisbon, and he's currently training. And, Frances, this is a pretty odd situation where Barcelona would love if Sporting Lisbon paid about 1.5 to 2 million euro for the def- the French defender, but Sporting Lisbon doesn't want to commit to that, and they want to see him train for about three weeks, and he'll be in Portugal to train with them, and then the Portuguese club will decide whether or not to sign him. And this is an odd story as well, because Sporting have never mentioned that Matu was coming on a trial. He's just training basically 
not even as a trial per se, but more, I don't know, they won't, don't want to put the pressure on themselves to call it a tryout, but they basically want to say, oh, he's just kind of vacationing here with our team and training and having some fun, and then we'll see what happens afterwards. And while we broke down his stats from this past season, back in episode seven from about three weeks ago, we don't need to do that again. We know what he meant at Barcelona last season, but as we had also mentioned, he was a quality player even two years ago and is probably capable of playing much better if he's seeing regular minutes, something that as a defender, you do need consistency to be able to get your best foot forward. And while it is impossible to do with the camp, no, I wonder if Sporting Lisbon is doing something else that a lot of clubs are doing to Barcelona, where they feel like they know that they're trying to offload those players, so they are strong on ar- arming Barcelona. Uh, yeah, I'm... I don't quite know what to say. Like, this is ridiculous. This is unseen, unheard of. This is ridiculous. Like, honestly, I've been following football for many, many years, probably too many, and I've never heard of a player that goes somewhere else for a trial. What what is this? Are we a charity? You can be going on a trial. You either want him or not. Like, if I want to buy a cake, I'll go to the shop and I buy the cake, and then after I've bought it, I try it, and hopefully it's really nice. But if it's not nice, then that's tough luck. I've already bought it. We, I, I, I don't understand. I really don't get it. Matia is a player that has been playing for over a decade in Spanish football. Everyone knows what he's capable for. He had 16 appearances at Barca last year. He was not very good at all, but you know he can he can be of use to Sporting Lisbon, for example, a player of that caliber in a in a different league, and. You know, I don't understand what, what they're trying to see. Are they trying to see him being fantastic in training, struggling in training? They know what the player is like. He's been playing internationally. He's been on TV pretty much every week for the whole world to see. I don't quite understand what, what they're doing on a trial. And to be honest, it is, it's mind-blowing to, see, to, to hear that the Barca board are actually prepared to let a player under contract to go and have a jolly in a different club to for them to maybe eventually, if they want to and feel like it, give us a stupid, ridiculous amount of money, which is 1.5 million euros. I have no words. And this goes to directly right into one of our fan questions, and we'll do these rap, two rapid-fire fan questions today. And Omar Farouk asked kind of what we're puzzling about is we've been talking about players and players and players and the decisions that the Barcelona board are making but Omer brings up the point that did Barcelona potentially miss out on one of the biggest signings, not necessarily players, when they allowed Monchi, a, the Sevilla transfer wizard and the ex-director of football, to go to Roma instead of coming back to Barcelona? Because Omer is making the point that maybe it is Robert Fernandez who appears to be struggling in his job, or is it the entire Barcelona board? And of course, we'll get into the elections and the different politics over, particularly since the new millennium began, when it comes to who's on that Barcelona board to blame also in appointing the wrong man for the job. And is he really the wrong man? And is it just to come down to players wanting to come or go? Is it just that somehow Barcelona have lost an upper hand in so many negotiations? I think that the Barca board at this moment in time don't seem to understand how transfer market works in modern football. Um, having said that, I don't think it's their fault that they couldn't sign Monchi. Monchi made it very clear that he wanted to go to for a new experience. He had been excelling at Sevilla for many years, signing Rakitic, 
signing Danny Alves for no money at all and a huge variety of other players. Uh, the list is endless, so I'm just going to stick with the Barca ones. And uh, Manchi decided he wanted to try a new experience and that's why he went abroad. He went to Roma and then he's sort of developing his career in there. I don't really want to blame the board for that because that was a personal decision. But I think Robert, Mar Robert Fernandez, sorry, who is um, our current sporting director, is so linked to the Barca board that it's difficult to sort of pull them apart from each other. I think that overall they need to get a grip and understand what modern football is like and uh, start being a bit more effective. And luckily for the board, they have leaders on the field as well, including Andres Iniesta, which brings us to our last fan question of the day coming from Francisco Ibahamonde. And they asked, what role do you think Iniesta should play next season? Should he still be the first captain? And should he be a starter or move to a more supporting role? And Frances, I'll answer quickly that yes, he should still be first captain because a captain isn't necessarily your best player. But if you're a captain, you're someone who leads by example. And Iniesta, particularly on social media in the modern age of football, he says the right things, he does the right things, he acts in the Barcelona way. And Iniesta, to me, should still be the captain as long as he's able to. And his role, I don't think, is going to diminish that much. But I think it's all dependent on who comes in, whether it's Verratti. Um, but basically, it's just Verratti. If Verratti comes in and Rakitic is seen as the other starter that could push Iniesta in major ways. But other than that, Iniesta is that guy who's able to play that ball that still not another midfielder on the roster is able to play. Iniesta just has that special genius about him to break through defenses, and until someone else learns how to do that, I think Andres Iniesta is that starter. I agree with you 1,000% there. Definitely spot on. Iniesta is sort of the, the leader on the pitch, but definitely the leader in the, in the dressing room as well. Let's not forget that we've lost sort of leadership skills in terms of Xavi, born leader, Puyol, another born leader, Erika Vidal um, was, you know, one of the key um, role models inside the dressing room. So Iniesta, Sergio Busquets at this moment in time can carry that forward and Iniesta definitely should remain as captain without without a doubt. Um, as for his role on the pitch, if Verratti comes, then Iniesta's role will become sort of lesser. But his mentoring and understanding of the game should basically filter out to every single midfielder and every player in the squad. So even though he may not have as many minutes, if players like, say, Verratti or even Ceballos comes in, then he definitely should continue to work alongside them for the team to be better as a whole. So we want to again thank Omer and Francisco for their questions. Of course, if you ask us questions, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, on SoundCloud, on our website, thebarcelonapodcast.com, we will look at your questions, and there's a pretty good chance that we'll read it on the show and answer them. And of course, as we mentioned, thanks everybody for listening. And of course, you can head to thebarcelonapodcast.com. That's thebarcelonapodcast.com to subscribe, comment, or support the show by taking advantage of the many deals we offer. Do you know someone who loves Barcelona as much as you do? If so, we'd also love it if you would share this podcast with them. As we continue to, that allows us, excuse me, to continue to bring you the hottest prison stories from the camp. No. And of course, until next time, we'll talk to you soon and Forza Barca. Forza!
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.